0: Hi, welcome back to Chris Dyer's Creative Friends, the super awesome podcast show where me, your artist friend, Chris Dyer, talks to all his super awesome creative friends. Today, I am in beautiful Boulder, Colorado. I am kicking it with my friend, Phil Lewis. Uh, We just went on a boat ride and uh, we are gonna go to his studio. Phil is a beautiful person, artist, uh, successful entrepreneur and uh, all around a very interesting person, and it's going to be a great conversation. So s- stick around with us and enjoy.
1: Woo. All How right, you hey, How you doing, I'm good, man. How are you?
0: Great. Yes. Thanks for having me over here in your beautiful gallery. Absolutely. And, uh, thanks for taking us out today to for a little like boat ride. For sure. Yeah, it's so fun. So many blessings out here. You um, are not originally from Boulder, right?
1: That's right, yeah.
0: Tell me where you're from.
1: Sure. Uh, my family history, I guess, is pretty complicated and diverse, sort of. My folks are both Welsh, 100% Welsh. So okay. they're both the first from either of their families or both their families to ever immigrate or leave Wales. So, oh. My entire extended family is Welsh, and I am actually 100% Welsh. Oh, wow, 100%? Yeah. Were yeah. yeah. you born there? No, I was born in Montreal. Ah! Yeah, which is kind of crazy. Woo. My parents immigrated to Canada, lived there for a couple years. I was born there, and shortly thereafter, they moved to the San Francisco Bay Area. So I kind of grew up in, we bounced around in a few different towns um, in the Bay Area, but then eventually uh, moved up to uh, the North Shore of Lake Tahoe in Incline Village. So that's where I kind of had my most formative years, you know, middle school, high school, and um, and beyond, so. Did you ever go to Wales? We've been back many times, yeah. Okay, nice. Yeah, it's cool. pretty awesome. My my grandfather's from Wales. Oh, really? I haven't been. Yeah, okay.
0: Yeah, he grew up in a castle out there. Yeah, yeah, And I would like to go there and find the castle where he grew up. Nice. But Good I, a pilgrimage. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it's very
1: old school. Lots of castles and just so much history. It's ancient, so.
0: Right. Um, how was it? Living in Tahoe like what was it life that was like a good chunk of your life. Yeah
1: I mean fundamental to who I've become and how I view the world I feel you know just being that close to nature going growing up Getting to snowboard after school every day and being in the water in the lake all the time and just experiencing the sheer beauty of the place it's super magical you know crystal clear water and just amazing land formations and mountains and things so it really instilled a love for nature that you know has continued through my whole life Mm -hmm. so it was a blessing absolutely
0: when did you move to boulder
1: i moved to boulder in uh 2001 okay why 20 years now i guess that's piece together the story um, I went to college in Colorado College which is in Colorado Springs uh-huh. um, from 1997 to 2001 and uh, right out of college I moved to LA to join my two brothers in a band mm-hmm. so we played music as a rock trio all over LA and California and it was super fantastic, awesome, amazing time, but we did kind of get burned out on LA, like the traffic and the city, and just the, it's just so right. much going on. Mm-hmm. So coming from Tahoe, we kind of wanted to go someplace. We were like, we need to get out of here. So during my time at Colorado College, we used to come up to Boulder quite often to see shows at the Fox Theater and the Boulder Theater, and just was kind of on my radar as like this cool kind of hippie town that had you know art and music and a little bit of culture. So. We were just, we kind of like literally were just like, why not Boulder? Let's move to Boulder. So Mm -hmm. the three of us, um, we just decided to move here on a whim, kind of. um, And we did. Nice. And it was a great decision. You know, we had an amazing time here in Boulder.
0: Nice. As an artist, uh, you know, like I'm I'm going all over the the map with uh, your story, and we will get and and visit the the different parts of your story. But as an artist, what do you like about living in Boulder?
1: Well, the community here is just super supportive, you know? It's pretty open-minded for art and for, um, you know, just things that might not be the status quo in terms of like, I don't know, just art, you know? The art that I make is is pretty wild and crazy, yet it's received really well here, you know? And I've tried to depict a lot of the local landmarks and scenery and some of the animals that I've seen and things, so, you know, people connect with it and they're very supportive, so. And it's just such a beautiful place. It's right nestled right up against the mountains, so. You know, in 10 minutes you can be in a forest of pine trees and, you know, yet Boulder is still kind of hustle and bustle enough to support a business, you know, to support an art gallery. So it's a good blend of those two things, like nature and city life. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, Yeah. and you're close enough to Denver if you need to go bigger city mode. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah. So it's it's a nice balance of all those things together. Nice. Yeah.
0: So now let's go back to these initial stages of your life, because you're, you're a visual artist, but before that, you started as a pro-wakeboarder, right?
1: <laughs> I did wakeboard professionally, semi-professionally for a few years. Yeah, it was fantastic. How was that? To tell <laughs> was me about Yeah, it was great. You know, uh, that was, I'm trying to really think back, it was probably around like the late 90s, early 2000s, where, yeah, I mean, we had a sponsorship with a boat company and a wakeboard company, and we did tours around the country in a big RV and just towed a boat around and uh-huh. got to share the experience of wakeboarding with people and you know did photo shoots and contests and stuff like that so it was pretty wild yeah nice yeah.
0: it was fun but also taxing perhaps in your yeah
1: body? yeah I mean we were pretty young at that point you know I think I was 21 during that whole phase so we were kind of partying pretty hard you know and having a good time and and just, we, we all loved wakeboarding. So that was that was kind of the catalyst for, I don't know, a few great years of, of riding really hard and having a great time doing it.
0: Mm-hmm. But now you got a boat of your own and you don't wakeboard anymore.
1: Yeah, yeah. Transitioned out of wakeboarding a few years ago as like, you know, you get a little older and like the crashes start to hurt a little bit more and more. And just being a little more serious about running my business, I didn't want to break bones, you know, and uh, get hurt. So kind of transitioned into wake surfing, which is... A lot more gentle on the body you know but still sort of fulfills that stoke that water mm-hmm. flow and so was was really into wakeboarding for a few years and then more recently um hydrofoil wake surfing has been my passion yeah so
0: tell me about the foil a little bit oh, you, you man, love that crazy. stuff yeah, i would seeing I love you it. rip it to there
1: yeah thanks man it's really really fun super exciting it's like a combination of wake surfing and powder snowboarding like the wing is producing this lift upwards but your body is using gravity to force it down and you're harnessing the energy of the wave. So there's this moment where all three of those things come together and you almost feel pretty weightless. You know, it's like you're literally flying along on a magic carpet. So it's a phenomenal feeling just to stand on the thing and fly along. Um, It's truly catching the
0: flow of like so many elements in one Mm -hmm. what a special thing yeah
1: it's amazing i feel fortunate to not only have like the physical ability to do this but also to be alive at a time when the technology is coming together to create the possibility to do these things you know Uh like hydrofoil has been around for a long time but only recently sort of as the gear become user-friendly, you know, mm. and so you can try different wings and different masks and boards. I could geek out on this forever. I'm not going to go too deep there, you know. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Just the the idea is that these things are really well-developed at this point, and so you can harness that technology and use it to do a, a phenomenal experience is really what it is.
0: That's awesome, man. Well, thanks for, once again for taking me out on your boat yeah, today absolutely. and allowing me to getting my groove on the wake surfing. Like I, I grew up surfing, but it's a different experience to surf a moving wave and catching the wave from the back of a boat. Mm-hmm. Similar though, but yeah, I know it's fun. Yeah,
1: it's a great time. I, I, I love board sports and I love sort of like sharing that experience too. That's part of the joy of it for me is that I feel fortunate and blessed to be able to have a boat on a body of water with all this gear. So, like, I like to try and share it with people and, and you know, spread that, the love of it.
0: That's beautiful, man.
1: So, let's get into
0: your musician stage. So, you're a wakeboarder, and when did you decide, like, okay, now I'm going to do music and go into it? So, it was with your brothers? Yeah, it was really my
1: brothers that kind of, like, convinced me to do that, you know? They they were playing, they had another bass player um, as, a, as a three-piece rock band in LA, and things weren't going all that well with their bass player, they just weren't gelling, and they kinda needed a new bass player, and they are like, man, you should really learn bass, and come out here and join us, and I was like, Sure. <laughs> you know, I was kind of right out of college and didn't really have a plan and that sounded like a really fun good opportunity to, uh-huh. you know, spend time closer to my family and What was, was the name of the band? The Louis was, Brothers? No, we were called Storytime. Storytime? Yeah. That's cute. It was kind of all about gathering around and telling stories, you know, like uh writing music is very much storytelling, you know, you're creating um a narrative for people to follow along. Mhm. Uh-huh. So yeah, it was fantastic we did that for many years it was it was a great time Toured all around the country got to play the boulder theater and the fox theater and and
0: this music was like like jam band or? there was definitely a jam band
1: element but we my brother tony who played drums was very rooted in punk rock so okay. it was pretty hardcore at was times it like dun, 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 dun. yeah just fast crazy drums you know he would dr- break drumsticks left and right he was it was hardcore just yelling Sick. you know like he was I wild, like that. wild man but my brother, my other brother Pete and I kind of tried to reel him in here and there. And Uh. we just, we all brought our different influences to the table. And I was kind of the one that I think brought in a little bit more of that jam influence, the little sort of psychedelic voyage in the music. That was kind of, I feel probably my influence, my youngest brother Pete, was a vocal major at CU, super talented, just extraordinary musician, you know, could hit any note and was phenomenally talented on the guitar and organ um, vocally. So he brought the like real musicianship to the band and was kind of like trying to teach me as much as he could throughout that time about writing music and, and playing music. So. Uh-huh
0: and you guys were touring for how many years oh
1: man i i think it was between six and eight years something like that yeah it was a long time. you had your
0: own tour bus
1: yep well we had yeah we had rv trailer vans we had you know tour manager and a manager it was kind of becoming this
0: it was like a thing. Like, thing. It, yeah. it, it worked out.
1: Yeah, we really thought that was going to be what we did. Um, and then my brother Tony kind of started, he had his first daughter, and, and that became a little bit taxing on the time that he was able to spend. Uh-huh. Um, and then his second daughter came, and it kind of was a little more taxing. So eventually we sort of des- he decided that it wasn't going to be the path he wanted to follow. And we decided to sort of part ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when I transitioned into deciding to do art full time. Mm. I was like, if I'm not going to be playing music, like, I still want to be creative, like, what can I do? It's kind of a little bit longer, and there's a precursor to that in that, you know, I was doing all of our show posters and album graphics and t-shirt designs and things like that for the band during that time period. So you're already doing art, Yeah, I was kind of getting my feet wet with, like, product development and, and creating things to sell at our merch table, and so... Somewhere along the line, we started introducing prints of my artwork at the merch table and Uh greeting cards and like things that were very art forward. It wasn't so much about the band. It was more about me and my art and that became really well received, you know, and we started to be like, whoa, we we can actually sell a lot of art at the merch table. So um, I had this idea that, that could be an option, an opportunity for me to transition into doing the art full time. So, mm-hmm. kind of swapped out the base rig for the art rig, you know, and like towed it around the country in the trailer um, selling art. Instead What's of the music. art rig? Well, you know, just like the festival booth and the tables and the uh-huh. chairs and the art and the. I had taken some of that experience from the music world uh, and brought it to the art world like i have custom road cases for all my art pieces you know slots for the camera you were like
0: experienced with having a merch table as a mm-hmm. musician and you're like well i ju- will just do this as a visual artist yeah which was less done back then
1: it was at the beginning yeah yeah yeah
0: uh, would you say you're the first one who was like really hitting uh, no. the festivals with like Phil Lewis art, just visual art.
1: I wouldn't say the first, definitely not. But, um, you know, in the earlier days, I was one of few at certain festivals. What year is this? This was probably the the first time I ever did a music festival was Sonic Bloom in 2008. Mm -hmm. And that was also a bit of an eye-opener to like, whoa, there's this culture here because we didn't really, I didn't really go to festivals prior to that. Like it just wasn't a thing. Like we were like more of a rock band. We did dirty, grungy venues, you know, Mm it's kind of like this rock world. It didn't interact with the sort of the festival thing. Yeah. So for me doing Sonic Bloom that one time was was like, whoa, this this is pretty rad. And so um, at that point I sort of shifted my focus into doing, to vending artwork at music festivals. Mm-hmm. But prior to that, I was doing a lot of like art fairs, you know, like uh, street art festivals and things around Boulder, like the Boulder Creek Festival and the Hometown Fair and a bunch of these other ones that are very art and craft sort of oriented. And mm-hmm. those were going well. They were great. But it wasn't until I did a music festival where my, the opportunity really expanded. Yeah.
0: So. you like, I can make a good living from this. Yeah. Yeah. How would you compare as somebody who both was a musician and an artist, what's the... What's easier? To make it as a musician or to make it as a visual artist? Yeah.
1: Well, I will say, I think that it has a lot to do with your timing and sort of like the way in which you find yourself in either one of those industries. Cause my experience with the music industry is that it was really hard. Like it's very, very hard to make a living as a musician, unless you happen to be, Kind of the right place, at the right time, creating the right music for the right people. You know, mm-hmm. all the <laughs> stars have to align, and right. I sort of feel that's true with art too. It's it's, but for me, the calling to make visual art it was a better, a better calling, a better path for me to follow. So right. I feel super fortunate and blessed to have found this path as an artist, a visual artist um, that's given me unbelievable support.
0: Right. And and not that you don't depend on other people to work with you, but say like a band is a group of people. So say you said your your brother Tony had a kid and that kind of like fucked it up for R.A.L.s while with art it's like, well, it's just me here. Yeah, uh,
1: yeah that is I would say perhaps makes it a little easier and that I get to just make all the decisions, you know. It's like right, I right. do whatever I feel like I should be doing whereas yeah, when you're in a band, you have to run it out, you have to bounce it off each other. You have to get along and like being siblings, you know, you can get pretty nasty with each other. And so, right. yeah, we definitely had some heated conversations about what we should or shouldn't be doing and, uh-huh. and things like that. So, it's really it's a tough question to answer. They're both can be challenging but they both can be very fruitful so it just yeah, depends
0: totally so tell me about your art what is your art about If like that's a, i know that's like a hard question mm-hmm. it's like well my whole arts is one thing like yep. perhaps it's like about many different things but is there like general subject matter intentions vibes you're trying to transmit in your communication
1: yeah i mean i've always tried to make happy art really you know like there's element there's darker sides to it here and there as there is for everything but Overall, generally, I really want it to be positive. I want people to feel enlightened when they view it, you know, and for me, that's a reflection of like how I've been fortunate enough to see the world, like growing up in Tahoe, living in Boulder, traveling to amazing places, like I feel super inspired by seeing natural beauty. And so I try and like translate that through this medium into images that sort of try and capture that energy. So. And I'm also very inspired by animals. They really like, um, you know, feel animal energy. It's like there's this vibration to it that I want to try and do something with. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I try and blend like my take on natural beauty and animal energy generally. It's mm-hmm. kind of the gist of it. And really make it very vibrant, very bright and colorful and like sort of like fun to look at. I want it to be uh, a positive and fun experience. Nice
0: what's your
1: mediums well the last probably 20 years now i've been really focusing on creating this stuff which is a combination of hand-drawn elements and then photoshop digital sort of manipulation Mm
0: -hmm. so so no tablet
1: yeah i I do use a wacom cintiq tablet and also an ipad pro to sort of do some of this but kind of the way that all of my artwork starts is pencil drawings on paper like for me that's the root of it all it's like it's the way that i'm able to most directly communicate the image that i want to like pull out of my head and put onto paper is just super raw pencil paper so i I usually draw the whole entire piece out um on a piece of paper a pretty small scale and they'll scan those pencil drawings and zoom in on them uh, in photoshop or more recently on an ipad zoom in and create a new layer and then start and trace all the pencil work by hand digitally. So I get a digital line layer of the pencil drawing. So I then use that line layer as a foundation for all the color and the lighting and shading and effects and filters and all the Photoshop stuff. So in the end it's a digital media that is printed and we you know print on dye sublimation onto metal, like aluminum like these or inkjet onto canvas, but a whole host of other surfaces as well.
0: Do you ever paint?
1: I mean, I've gone through phases with paint, but it doesn't seem to be as direct of a channel for me. Um, I'm, I'm kind of like pretty into technology and I do like pressing buttons and screens and mm-hmm. gadgets and computers and things. So for me, it's really fun to be able to blend like artistic vision with technical like tools. I don't know, it feels like a great blend for me.
0: Right, yeah. uh, as a musician, you worked with Guitars and that mm-hmm. used electricity and yeah. amps and stuff as much as like music's always organic coming from your fingers. Yeah, so, so you that's like, you know the tools, technological tools is something that seems to work with you yeah
1: it does I had a huge pedal board with all kinds of crazy Fire. things going on you know it was, it was nuts that's, yeah. fun. Hey, yeah, that's I, fun I gotta hear your music yeah, is I'll it, share it with you. to hear? Uh, I'd have to dig deep for it I, this was prior to like Spotify and SoundCloud and all that stuff I think we, at one point we had like a really big MySpace page you know oh, like it was space. old school so You're I don't, one of those guys yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> get <us to> <laughs> to um,
0: but I'd love to like you know if you had like a mixtape or maybe you yeah. make like a mix CD Sure. give to no, I
1: have files. I can share stuff with you totally. Yeah, they're yeah. so cool. That's,
0: yeah. I, I love psychedelic rock. Yeah. Um, it seems like you're, well, you as a gallery work with visionary artists. Your art has a visionary flair. Do you consider yourself a visionary artist, and what does that mean?
1: Yeah, it's kind of a tough one because I feel like I was doing my thing with this style, with this sort of, has a psychedelic flair to it, prior to even understanding or discovering what visionary art was, you know, like when I was doing street art festivals and showing at hair salons and restaurants, I wasn't, I didn't even really know that like psychedelic music festivals were a thing. So for me, I kind of like fell into that group and I do resonate with it. I do feel a connection within it, but I don't know that I would necessarily go out and say that my art is 100% visionary art. You know, I do feel like I'm, have visions and I want to translate them, and I do feel like I'm tapping into an energy that's there that we're all kind of like wanting to get to somehow. So, in a way, I'd, I feel it's it's visionary, but I don't know that it's uh, what to, I don't even know if there is a standard definition of visionary art, but you know, it's well, somewhere in between. Who
0: you're asking, mm-hmm. you'd say you're asking Alex Gray, who really likes that term, he would say. Visionary art is the art that comes from the mystic experience, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. So it's like you know, looking into other dimensions, past the physical dimension.
1: Sure. So yeah. Yours would fit into. I that. think so. Yeah, there's an element of that for sure. Looking beyond what you see, like you know, in reality, or at least normally, you know, like trying to tap into the vibrations that I feel when I want to make this art.
0: Right. Where do your visions come from usually?
1: I mean, at this point, it's become so ingrained in like my life and what I do that it can come from anywhere, like literally anything conversation with somebody or like a flash of noticing something, you know, like it literally it's really hard to predict um, where inspiration comes from, but it's all around. So it's just being open to the opportunity for it to strike.
0: Mm -hmm. Have you uh Cause you are saying like your art psychedelic. Yeah. Is it coming from psychedelics at all? Is there a, yeah. any interaction with that? Sure.
1: I mean, in my younger years, you know, I was definitely pretty into like psychedelic mushrooms. That was something that was definitely a part of my exploration of the world and discovering who I was. And so I feel like once you've kind of seen the world in that way, you, you can't close those doors again, you know? So it, it opened me up to developing artwork in a, in a way that I was able to see what I wanted to, to capture mm-hmm. um, so it's not really part of my life anymore but there was a period where it was in, inspirational and influential and kind of developing this aesthetic
0: mm-hmm. do you see or well you don't do it anymore you had that yeah. chapter you know that i concepts. mean here and
1: there but it's not it's not it's like not a practice for me
0: right uh but when you do do them do you actually see something do you hallucinate as they call it Mm -hmm. or is it more like you catch a vibe and then you try to translate it through your personal language
1: yeah much more the latter you know it's like having a moment where you're just witnessing a sunset over the mountains where things are just exploding into crazy colors and amazingness it's like just like feeling that and then trying to capture or sort of like regurgitate that or translate that through a medium is sort of more where that comes in as inspiration for me Mm -hmm. and like i don't know over the years this is just like when i sit down to make art i don't even necessarily see it this way this is just just what comes out (laughs) you know it's like you sit down to draw and it's like well okay let's check this out you know and like i've developed like tools in the toolbox as far as like patterns that i like to use and ways in which i like to draw certain things but um, it, it's, it's very much an exploration, creating art, you know, it's like, right. you're, you're not really sure what you're going to get until, uh-huh. you, until you get there with it. so
0: Totally, yeah, it surprises you as much as anybody else. yeah So you've also become, throughout this process of being an artist, a great entrepreneur, which is an art in itself, you know, like mm-hmm. to create uh, products of your art and, and to be able to sell it. This all started, as you were explaining before, through the booths. Mm-hmm. How long did you do your merch uh, booth at festivals?
1: I mean all the way f- i I guess I, I use Sonic Bloom as kind of like the first I, in my mind that's like okay, that was when it kind of really started you know I was messing around before that but so t- from 2008 to 2020 basically was like uh very focused on festivals and vending at festivals so a good chunk of time there for sure and it, it was definitely instrumental in like helping to spread the word about my art and exposing it to many people you know mm-hmm. as a, people travel from all over to go to these festivals and then they go from the festival back to wherever they came from and so it just sort of proliferates and mm-hmm. um it's instrumental in to building a following in a grassroots sort of like understanding and awareness of, of my work
0: right How was that experience of having to go from place to place over and over again, building up booths, trying to sell something, put it back in the stuffed uh, trailer or van, working with people, complications, Mm -hmm. weather?
1: Yeah. It's it's definitely a grind. (laughs) Yeah. It's hard work, it's it's grueling. Um, but it's also very exciting, you know, especially in like the beginning when we were just first getting into it, it was like this is incredible, you know? It was like such an awesome experience to be able to set up a gallery in a booth and to have so many conversations with so many different people from so many different walks of life, like who are, we're all very receptive to what I was showing. And, you know, it was just a fantastic experience. Definitely, I, I loved it. Um, but, you know, there's kind of a time for certain things and life has its ebbs and flows. And I feel like that time period for me has kind of moved, yeah. uh, moved on, moved on. Well, the catalyst for that was the birth of my son, Robin. Yeah, eight years ago. So, you know, when he was born, I was still doing festivals. And I kind of uh, even that summer had to go to Telluride Bluegrass like two weeks after he came. And it was I just felt just horrible for me to be away from him. And I knew at that moment that I needed to be at home more and I wanted to experience his youth and being there for him. So to me, that was a moment where I kind of like decided that I didn't really want to be on the road for two weeks at a time anymore. So I kind of like transitioned into having um, people, a team work for me at festivals for a while. Um, And then, I mean, we talked about this earlier, but like coincidentally, I could kind of decided in 2019 that 2020 was going to be the first season that I just didn't do any festivals. Like I was going to focus more on this location and trying to book my own shows here for other artists. And then coincidentally, you know, we had the whole COVID thing happen and all the festivals got canceled anyway. So mm-hmm. it was a little serendipitous, the timing. Um, so that was a moment when I sort of decided I'd, I'd, I felt the calling to be at home more than on the
0: road. Do you miss it at all? Or you, you had your time? No, I
1: mean, I do at times for sure. There's something special about kind of like all the work that goes into setting it up. And then that first morning when you open the doors, it's like, you know, you you feel it's a good feeling, it's empowering. And it feels like you're doing something good in the world. And and I loved it. I did, but you know, I'm more excited to do different things at this point.
0: Yeah, totally. Well, uh, next I wanted to ask you about this gallery. We actually met at this gallery. Uh, We had talked online and you uh, said I could do uh, a group show here that I organized with this toy that I had made in, uh, 2000. I think it was 2019. Mm -hmm. I made this toy and I made blank versions that then I gave to a bunch of artists to paint, including yourself, and then we had a group show here. That was, like, the first time I actually met you, mm-hmm. and we had a beautiful uh, gallery show. It's such a good vibe, and thank you so much for that. Absolutely. Um, how was the experience of owning your own store and art gallery? Where the, When did that start? Mm-hmm. Tell me a little bit about sure. it. Sure.
1: Well, I did have, like, one sort of public facing retail sort of environment prior to this space um that was a little more off the beaten path it was kind of east end of uh pearl street like Belmont, like i don't know just the other side of foothills there and so it wasn't as visible and it wasn't as heavily trafficked um but that kind of got me interested in the idea of like well maybe maybe we should try and do this on pearl street or someplace where there's like you know more traffic more exposure um and then many stars aligned for this space to become available and for us to to lock it down and move in here um and since then it's been definitely an amazing experience it's great it's so nice to have a space that we can really build out you know when we moved in here this space was the total shell there was you bought it right yes we purchased the space and was able to sort of like build the floor plan how i wanted and Mm -hmm. and from having previous spaces i knew like how much square footage i wanted for this and for that and how much room i needed for the laser and the you know setup. So this place is totally tailored to work exactly as it does. And Mm -hmm. and that's pretty exciting. It was pretty fun too. Um, everything, like the lighting, the walls, the the sanding of the concrete floor, you know, like we built this entire space out to be exactly what it is. So I, I'm I'm proud of this space. I think it's pretty, it's awesome. It's really nice to be right here on Pearl where people can walk by and be like, what is this, you know, and come Mm -hmm. on in and have a crazy experience in here. And it's also been very nice to have, a location that's sort of like a home base for my work you know all those years on the road i was able to build a, a widespread following all over the country and so when people come to Boulder for whatever reason, maybe they're seeing a show at the Fox or the Boulder Theater or even Red Rocks or something, they're like kind of aware that I have space here. So they'll make an effort to come in and visit while they're in town. And that's been pretty awesome. You know, people from all over the country are like, we're here for whatever. And you right. we were here. So it's central for the hippie
0: culture. Yeah. That, you know, resonates with your work. Yeah.
1: It's like a solid, permanent, sort of like climate controlled <laughs> festival booth, basically. You know? <laughs> that's uh, dusty. Yeah, exactly.
0: So what you got, here you got a storage in the back Mm -hmm. you got the store in the front like with tons of amazing beautiful products Mm -hmm. and then this middle room's an office and you got some machinery in there can
1: you tell me what that is sure yeah we use that second room as like production for laser and uv produced products and art so these those two machines are fairly industrial You, you can you can have them in your house or garage but it's maybe not the best Thing you know, wow. they have to be vented um, and filtered, as okay. um, so they produce you know smoke literally when you're cutting things with a laser, um, and the inks are they're they fairly fumey sometimes. So oh. we have extraction fans and filters in here. So. Um, but it's also been a cool experience to be able to share the process with people as they come in and visit, you know, and I'm happy to be back there working on whatever it is um, and get to kind of walk people through my process as far as like the production side of things. Um, We do outsource a lot of large format printing, but uh, the smaller UV related art is all done right here. So it's cool to have this space. It's it's more gallery space as well. There's art on all the walls, but it's also a production facility.
0: Right. What kind of... What kind of products do those machines specifically make? Like um, uh, for those who don't know what a laser cutting machine yeah, does. Yeah,
1: totally. Well, it's, it's able to cut through wood or plastic or a variety of materials and then also engrave the surface of them. So I have like multi-layer wood pieces like this robin here where it's multiple species of wood with certain elements cut and engraved and then I'll wood glue them back together in kind of silhouette style pieces. Um, But also, you know, I've had this UV printer for about almost four years now, and that's really opened the door to applying full color to things, whereas before the laser was just engraving. So they work really well together. Like I make a lot of vessels like the, the water bottles, the stainless steel flasks that can be printed on with full color and then also laser engraved through and, you know mixed and matched and just kind of played around with. It's a super technical heavy machine that um, w- there's a big learning curve to understanding like how does the scene work? But as I'm learning it um, it's super powerful. And it's like it's it's like if you have an idea for something, you, there's probably a way to make it happen. You just have to like mm-hmm. find the path. <laughs>
0: nice. Well, so. you seem motivated and passionate about it. It's almost like, you know, creating the perfect art product. Mm -hmm. is almost as important to you as creating an art piece or the product is the art piece
1: yeah in some ways i I definitely view it like that like you know really the goal for me with my art is to share it however i can and so Mm For me, making functional products and engaging products is can it sometimes be more exciting than actual piece on somebody's wall. Because if they fall in love with the art and it's on a water bottle, they're going to like travel with that. It's going to go with them, you know, every day wherever they go. And so to be able to like hold and engage and be with a piece of art, that's that's an exciting way to share it. Right, it's know. functional. Yeah, part of
0: their life. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot more than just looking at something yeah. you separate from it. Mm-hmm. And
1: I find that you know, a lot of people also who collect art end up having lots of art on the wall. They might not have that much wall space left, you know, or, right. or they want to gift a piece of art to somebody, but like this is a big commitment, to something this size. So uh-huh. something smaller has the same art on it that's unique in its own way. It can be also a very thoughtful gift. So a lot of my work and my products are, are definitely gifted, uh-huh. um, which is an honor for me. I think that's great.
0: Nice. So you got like a ton of products. Could you name some of them and tell me perhaps what are some of your favorite ones?
1: Hmm. Well, I, I'm really thinking that these vessels are pretty sweet. The, the three, water. The, bottles. Yeah, the water bottles, the stainless steel flasks. It really is a cool surface to be able to. Um, apply two-dimensional art to a three-dimensional object you know because really what I make is two-dimensional work Mm -hmm. but this makes it 3d and you can spin it around you can hold it you can feel it the printer is capable of applying texture beneath some of the inks if you want to there's ways to apply different opacities of the underbase so that some parts of it are shiny and metallic and other parts are more opaque and complete so for me that that's exciting territory like working with stainless steel like a three-dimensional stainless steel thing that you can hold that's kind of fun
0: right yeah what other products do you make
1: uh i mean the list is quite extensive but I, I, yeah sure uh, well skateboard grip tape that's been a really fun one just teamed up with this company called splatter goat and we're making that we've done that for a couple of years now it's just awesome i don't know i grew up skateboarding i love skateboards and the ability to, to look down at your skateboard and have it be artistic and awesome is pretty cool. You know, like mm-hmm. the bottom of skateboards have been putting art on those for forever, for years, but you don't, you don't necessarily look at the bottom of it when you're on it. Right. So, you know, for me to be able to apply the art to the surface of a skateboard has been pretty cool. And it's fun to see people, they get to engage with it too. They install it themselves, they share pictures with me, you know, it's like this interactive thing that lets people adorn something they also love and share it, I don't know, it's pretty cool. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. so and then you kids. got your skis and your snowboards yeah. you got puzzles yep uh made out of wood right
1: yep those are done um the local company here liberty puzzles that's been a phenomenal partnership we've been together for like 12 years now maybe maybe even more um we 20 something pu- puzzles together it's pretty awesome they use the same laser machine that i have here to cut through quarter inch maple plywood that you know there's a print on and so the shapes are all interesting little whimsy shapes and crazy f- characters and things that's been a really cool partnership working with those guys mm-hmm. yeah and you got pins and i don't know
0: what that thing there is that the thing to the edge here like that those rectangular thingies
1: in this case here yeah. oh the, these are the pax vaporizers okay so cannabis vaporizers for um you know flour and oil cartridges so uh-huh. it's pretty big here in boulder you yeah, know yeah, yeah, colorado yeah. in general do you smoke weed uh, do you yeah, yeah. Yeah. nice mm-hmm.
0: um so and what would you say is like your best selling product or the one that makes you the most money <laughs>
1: Well, something that's done really well for us, especially since 2020, has been the Frisbee golf discs. Uh-huh. You know, I've been doing these buzz disc craft discs for many years. We started doing those at festivals. Yeah. I don't even know. It's been a long, maybe 10 years ago, but since sort of like the explosion of outdoor recreation, like markets since the lockdown thing happened back then, Disc golf has really exploded, and so we've been like really just—it's been hard to keep those in stock. Like, I order as many as I can, as often as I can, and they move really quickly. And it's awesome. It's fun. It's a super cool, crazy, colorful, artistic way to get out a there. Buzz is
0: the name of a crisp golf brand, or is a manufacturer? The brand is
1: Discraft. They're also the manufacturer. Buzz is the name of that particular disc. It's like a mid-range uh, driver disc. Okay. That's pretty well known in the scene. I know so little about Frisbee golf. Like
0: the fact that they didn't exist is pretty tricky to me.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Right? Yeah, people are into it. People love it. It's a fun time to get outside and just, you know, have a great time in the sun. Yeah, totally. Yeah.
0: So still on the topic of of business, Mm -hmm. I find myself as also somebody who, you know, has a brand, is an entrepreneur and stuff, you always got to work with other people, Mm -hmm. but people are... Challenging to work with sometimes, you know, especially when it comes down to money and who does what and one being a boss one being a worker Mm -hmm. What's your experience with that? How have you found the people that? Work well with you and how have you? Moved away from the ones who you know are not aligned with your own vibe. Yeah,
1: I mean I've worked with many people over the years and I do feel there's just an energy that you can feel if you're not aligned on things and so People have come and gone, you know, and I've had many employees over the years and for some, sometimes people just are moving away or they have a life change or w- for whatever reason, we part ways. But, you know, I've had a couple of people that have been with me for many years now and uh, I'm super grateful for their support and dedication and we have a solid little team. Mhm.
0: Nice, congrats, man. Thanks. I, I like your coworkers, the uh, ones that yeah. met. Yeah. Great. Mike yep. running the gallery. Yep,
1: Mike has been with me for about six years now, Mike, Mike Dempsey, he's, he's got his own scene too. A lot of people know who he is and he's a, he's a gem, yeah. so I'm fortunate to have him.
0: Yeah, such a nice guy when I yeah. met him at art shows and stuff. So you seem to have a really great life, Phil. You got a nice family with a kid, <laughs> you got a beautiful art that you make, a business that runs well. Uh, a nice uh, uh, boat and activity to um, have fun whenever you want. Is there more that you strive for? Is it like like a goal that comes after that? Or is there like a self-satisfaction where you're like, you know what, everything's great. I just got to kind of like give thanks every day and be in that presence of like, the amazing gift that I have. Yeah. Or are you an an ambitious human being that's like, what's next level? Uh, How do I up this thing? Yeah,
1: I I feel like it's a, a little bit of both, but more recently kind of chilling out a little bit and focusing on what I have built so far, which is really this space and the fan base and using that, this wall, this platform to showcase other artists that I'm inspired by and that I want to share their work with my community. Mm-hmm. and the community in Boulder in general. like um, There's not too many art galleries here that are kind of showcasing like visionary art or any art that's in that sort of realm. So it's an exciting opportunity to try and like focus on this space, focus on the shows here, and sort of like not be all over the place trying new things all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, all that being said, like I still am inspired to make new art, and I never know what's coming next. That's part of the fun of it, you know? And also to think about... I don't know. I never knew that I was going to get into laser engraving. I never knew that I was going to get into UV printing. It's kind of like, I don't know what's next, you know, but that's exciting and it's fun. I know there will be something that comes along down the line. Like I might get into sculpture. I don't know. I have no idea what it is, but yeah. there's an understanding that I want to be on this creative path for my life. And so um, it's fun to think about, I don't know, what, what could come. Right. So, yeah. the,
0: so the goals are not necessarily like, I'm going to make a Phil Lewis chain of stars around yeah. the country on Conquer is yeah. more like, you know, I'm going to make this like really as good as it could be. Yeah. Plus, I want to learn new uh, ways of expression and, mm-hmm. and video games to keep on doing what I'm already doing.
1: Yeah, I think it is more of that. Like I, I'm, I feel super fortunate to have made it to where I am and I am trying to sort of like Realize that like bask in that a little bit and sort of reflect on it and use it as a platform So Mm -hmm. yeah, I don't necessarily have like huge big lofty goals Like I I am super blessed to be where I am and I'm trying to sort of like feel that
0: Mm -hmm. Well, I think it's so nice that you use your platform your gallery to give shows to other artists to get out there What's some artists that you've uh, worked with that uh, or you know that you've enjoyed? Uh,
1: sharing the space with? Yeah, I mean, there's kind of a long list at this point. It's been a lot of like amazingly talented people. Um, I don't want to leave anybody out, you know. There's, I, I could pull out the list and lame them, but um, I mean, the group show that we did with you was fantastic. Um, you know, Because random. they
0: included a lot of those people too. Yeah,
1: absolutely. It's kind of, we're building a little bit of a community around the scene here, you know. And like, everybody gets their turn, you know. And uh, that's great, I love that. Um, but I'm, I'm constantly trying to invite new artists and people that I want to eventually feature and show here. Um, you know, building it, a little bit of a family, trying to.
0: Is it tough to be a, a curator? Because when you're a curator, sometimes you gotta, like, leave people out. Like, for example, a kid could come and their art might not be there yet, yeah. and you gotta have like the heart to be like, sorry kid, come back in three years yeah. once this is crystallized. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How's that? Th- that's
1: a little bit challenging for sure. Like, people will show me their art and, and you know, uh, sort of like ask to show here, and sometimes it is about the timing, you know, and people have to be sort of ready for it. I'm trying to put on super high quality shows with bodies of work that are well-established, and the artists that have a following to some degree so that they can help bring people in to to their shows you know so um yeah it's been a little challenging but also like a lot of fun like it's for me it's just i've been reaching out to the people that i know and the people that I, i like their art and i don't really have like a set hard and fast set schedule there's no stress there's no timelines it's just Hey, do you want to do a show here? When do you want to do it? You know, like let's do it. That'll be fun. So I'm pretty like easygoing about it. Um, But yeah, I mean, it's it's a little bit challenging to say no to people. Um, But at the same time, I get to say yes, and I get to invite those that I want to Mm -hmm.
0: or hope to. Yeah, it's it's a tough role. That's why I'm asking. You know. Yeah. uh, Curators are important, galleries are important, mm-hmm. but sometimes you just gotta be ready to be like, hey, this is not our style, and you gotta be like, all right, that's yep. cool too. And I'm gonna hate on the person for doing what they feel is best with their own
1: yeah, place. Yeah, absolutely. I do, I mean, I always try and provide encouragement, you know, um, and I, that's something I've always been about when younger artists come in and ask me questions, like I'm, I try and give them as much information that I can and, and, you know, really engage and inspire as much as I can. So. It, it's totally fine if the timing's not right. I, th- I think that's totally acceptable. Um, and you know, people said no to me too when I was doing my thing when I was younger as well. So mm-hmm. I understand it. Totally.
0: How do you observe the state of the world, and how can us, you and me, or people in general, how can we like you know help change it for the better?
1: Yeah, we do find ourselves in tumultuous times, I'd say. It's pretty crazy. Um, I think really what it comes down to is like exposing, trying to limit your exposure to the things that really like actually matter in your life and really engage, like where there's immediate sort of response, like, and I don't know, no judgment, but watching the mass media, you know, watching and buying into the narrative can be pretty threatening. It can be detrimental and, You feel power. Yeah. So I've always sort of like tried to approach it. Like things in here are great. You know, things right outside are awesome. Let's all have the best time that we can expressing our own sort of like energies, um, without trying to be influenced by like outside negative forces. And I think that's really all you kind of can do is just try your best Mm -hmm. to shine your light. However that you do that.
0: Right. Just do your part, be yourself, Mm -hmm. pass on the good vibes, hopefully as widely as possible. Yeah. But uh, also not feel like, you know, bad if you can't heal it all, which is an impossible thing. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, definitely. It's hard to try and change the world, but what you can do is just be as positive as you can, I guess. You know, that's kind of what I've always tried to do.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, Would... uh, so we're coming to the end of this interview. Would you have some final words of wisdom, either about anything at all or specific to artists or artists who want to make a business or you know, people who want to follow your path at all? Do you have any suggestions, recommendations,
1: yeah. tips? Yeah, I, something I learned many years ago uh, at a music conference actually in San Diego um, was this like, It was very music industry focused, but it was a bit of a motivational speaker type situation. This guy, Tim Sweeney, I don't know. He he was pretty inspirational to us at that time in our life. And one of his biggest things was to try and eliminate self-doubt. And that really struck a chord with me because if you are trying to make art, you're trying to do anything creative, there's the tendency for this thing to say, oh, this isn't good enough. Like, oh, this kind of sucks, I'm not good. Like, uh, people aren't gonna like this or whatever. And that is really the only thing that's gonna stop you, really. Like, if, yeah, if you believe in yourself and you're not doubting what it is you're gonna do, you will find a way to do it. And so that, that I mean, that really helped me when I was younger, I just try it every time something creeps in. I'm just like, Oh, that's self doubt. Get out of there. No self doubt. Like do not doubt it. If I believe it, do it. Mm -hmm. And so I'm a pretty big believer in sort of like manifestation and like thoughts become things and that sort of like mentality. So if you can try and eliminate the doubt and believe in yourself, I mean, you know, Mm -hmm. it sounds a little cheesy, but it's really kind of like true or it has been for me. Yeah.
0: It's good to say it in a variety of words to remind ourselves to really, just be a straight arrow and go and get what our heart really yearns for. Yeah, totally. So That's a beautiful final words. So thank you so much, Yeah, Joe. brother, for sure. Thank Ooh. you. It
1: was, was a pleasure. Yeah. Thank you.
0: Yeah, blessings. And thank you guys for watching another episode of Chris Dyer Creative Friends. I hope you enjoyed it. So please make sure to like, share, comment. Uh, Subscribe, put the ringing little belly thingy that helps you uh, get the notifications when these shows come out every the TV. And yeah, thank you for supporting and I'll see you next time. Blessing! Next episode, my guest will be Chore Boogie. I'm an artist. I don't... uh, I don't care about all them freaking terms my art is my art i'm an artist whether i do murals whether i do canvas works it's all the same to me sculptures all that stuff Mm -hmm. you know since i'm an artist i can create my own terminology i create my own meaning i create my own understanding you know i'm Mm -hmm. an artist we all are everybody can do that and i've been preaching that for years and you know not not to be subjected to um somebody else's uh, genre or somebody else's uh perspective of, of what they think art is you know that's why you know i have my own style modern hieroglyphics so please make sure to subscribe like comment and share big thanks and see you next episode